Hi there, good afternoon, Dr. Gary on the road. We are dental practices nationwide. Today's topic is going to be what happens the day after the closing? How does the first day of transition work? Well, we'll get into that after the sale of a dental practice. So, just some background about us. We've been doing the dental practice brokerage for 25 years, for, uh, excuse me, 12 years. We were dentists for 25. We now have uh, practices for sale in 26 states. We're excited. And the information you're about to hear, of course, is for informational purposes, entertainment purposes only. It's not legal or business advice. So, our phone number is 201-663-0935. And um, some guy just passed me on a yellow line, almost got in an accident. Crazy. People are driving nowadays. I see he has to be in front of me. So you can reach us uh, uh, every day except Christmas and Easter. And our phone number is 203-663-0935. We're available to you. Now, if you're selling to a DSO, please give us a call because uh, they will pay our commission and often, and we can get your legal fees reimbursed sometimes. So just give us a ring and we can talk about it. All right? Now, getting back to uh, today's uh, discussion, what happens after you close? If you close on a, on a Tuesday, what happens on Wednesday morning? Well, on Tuesday at the closing, and generally there is no more uh, closing, they're all virtual. They've been that way even before the pandemic. Um, the seller will previously get the keys to the broker or to the... Uh, uh, buyer or seller's attorney, they'll hold on to the keys until the closing occurs. Uh, the keys are handed over to the uh, buyer or the buyer gets them the next day. Either way, he's going to get them. That evening, it becomes, so let's say you close in the afternoon, the staff now becomes your responsibility. Now, they're not really working probably that day. If they were working and the closing was in the afternoon, the doctor will usually, the seller will pay him for the day. And then you start fresh in the morning. Technically, the uh, employees are uh, fired and rehired at midnight. So anyway, the next day, um, what will happen is the buyer will come in. And the patients that are being seen that day have to be informed, usually by a phone call before they come in, um, that there's a doctor sold the practice and there's a new buyer. And the buyer is a new owner. And he'll be taking over from here. So on day one, the buyers generally start seeing the patients unless the seller feels, you know, that maybe we didn't give this one patient enough notice and he was going to insert something. It'll work something out. But really, they become the patients of the buyer. And he starts doing the procedures immediately. And generally, the patients accommodate because the doctor will be there the first couple of days, the seller, introduce him. And uh, the staff will be there also. So the patient is relatively comfortable because they know the um, uh, staff. They know the front desk. They know the location of the building. Their um, records are there. 
staff greets them. They know the staff, so everything's familiar. They introduce the doctor, say he'll be doing your procedure today. Again, every party, if somebody walks in and they weren't informed ahead of time, they're informed when they go to the, into the reception area. So they're not shocked. But the uh, buyer generally will get a letter of transfer from the uh, seller. The seller will write up a great letter. We have copies of that. That, you know, I've finally been uh, seeking someone else out that could take over my practice and I finally found somebody and we're really excited about it and it's usually a letter that gives the patient some level of confidence so he hands that letter gets mailed out right after closing there are some buyers that don't want to send the letter out it's really up to the uh, you know it's really up to the buyer if he wants to send the letter but generally it's a good idea a transition letter that a new buyer is taking over, you're retiring, you're very pleased with them, the staff will stay the same, your records will remain here. Obviously, if the patient wants to go elsewhere, yeah, no problem with that. Understandable. And they'll just let the new doctor know. That's why you've got to give the patients an opportunity the day before uh, they come in for the uh, office uh, visit that there'll be a different doctor seeing them. Then if you send the letters out to everybody, then the patients know. You're going to lose some, but generally, according to Bank America 2019, success rate was very high. We're talking 99.75%. So you're not losing everybody. You may lose a certain percentage, but historically, you're not going to, or else banks wouldn't keep writing 100% loans uh, with nothing down. So they write it, and it works out really well. But that's what happens. Now, as far as the... Um, Dr. Gary oriented, he can come in right after closing. It depends on what the decision of the seller is. Some sellers don't want to introduce the staff until after there's a closing or until after the contract is signed and they have a closing set up. Um, that's up to the seller. I, you know, I've mixed opinions. I generally don't like to say anything to the staff until we officially close because 30% of these deals don't close. So I just, I'd rather wait. That's just the way I am. Uh, and whether the staff finds out a month before or a day, what, what does it really matter? Um, so, you know, you're taking care of their benefits. Everything's going to be done properly. You're going to keep it the same salary. How's it going to make a difference whether they're told or not? So the doctor comes in, the buyer comes in on the first day, introduced to the patient. Patient was informed ahead of time there'll be a different doctor. He begins doing his clinical work. Now, if the doctor was the other doctor was referring out a lot, obviously the new buyer will keep that in house, and uh, you know will be more productive that way. Um, what the buyer needs, the buyer needs a checking account in his name, so the patients can write the check out. And on the first day, the buyer should bring with him a um, a credit card transaction uh, unit, so he can process credit cards on day one. And if he's not credentialed under the um, uh, insurances, give us a call. We'll tell you how that works out. I'd rather not talk about it over the phone. But um, if he's not credentialed and he's not in, there's ways to handle that. And we'll talk to you about that privately. So that's kind of what happens. He comes in. He starts seeing the patients. He's clinically pretty strong, obviously, already, hopefully. And uh, he'll just do the procedures. The staff will get used to him. He'll get used to the staff. Hopefully they like him or her. And uh, there'll be a smooth transition. Now, if the practice is grossing 600 and below, there's not really, or 700,000 and below, there's not a lot of room for two 
to a seller and a buyer. It's going to be kind of tight in there. So if the buyer does want the seller to stay on, the buyer is going to be there part-time, they work out an arrangement is worked out that the seller generally will get a certain percentage, 30 to 35% of his productivity and also his collections. Um, and he will, uh, you know, perform on the patients to the best of his ability. And then they'll share the space, the buyer and the seller. The seller becomes an employee and doesn't have any responsibilities in the management of the practice, but he's still there to help and everything. Um, so that's how that transition works. The only thing the buyer needs is a checking account made to his name, and uh, that's it. Well, we just sold the practice, and that's, uh, believe it or not, that's a seller calling in. So I want to talk to him. Thank you. Bye now.